Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. (laughs) How's the rest of it go? (laughs) I already forget. Hi. Hi. Happy Halloween. Thank, happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. It's a whole year. We're doing Halloween for the entire year this year, everybody. Gosh, that would be my dream. I, you know what I think my dream would be? Like, Halla Christmas all year round. Yeah. Both. Yeah, yeah. I like both. I like both a lot. I, I do have a preference for Halloween, but Christmas is like right up there. Yeah. And um, if we could celebrate them all year round, that would be a perfect life. You know what I would do? I'd have like one month Halloween, one month Christmas, and then just keep alternating forever. Back and forth forever. Yeah. Because then it's like you get best of both worlds. Yeah, I agree. And then you just get like presents and snacks all the time. (laughs) Presents and snacks. Y'all know how I feel about snackies. (laughs) (laughs) I was at the grocery store the other day and I'm like, I I, want to get a box of Halloween candy, but I Mm. always... I don't trust myself. I don't either, but I always end up getting it at some point. Mm -hmm. I always like to wait until they go on sale, but then sometimes all the good ones are gone. It's that dilemma, you know? And I've noticed, like, specifically because of COVID last year, they went on sale early. They did? Did you notice that? They went on sale, like, really early last year. Because they were like, "Uh uh-oh, no one's going to go trick-or-treating. Uh-huh. So they were like, we've got to sell this goddamn candy because no one's going to go trick-or-treating. Psych, everybody still went trick-or-treating. And also, it just meant I bought a lot of candy. Yeah. It, it just meant... Uh, yeah. That's okay. If you hear sirens, we're just, you know, we're going to deal with it. <laughs> the cops are coming for us. The perks of living downtown. <laughs> this is what happens when we record at Haley's Place, yeah. by the way. I apologize. That's fine. It's, we're going with it. it. It goes with the Drew theme. can edit it out. So you guys might not even be able to hear it. Speaking of editing things out, so... <laughs> this is going to become a theme as well um i was listening back to one of our episodes because we do listen to them you know Mm -hmm. like i feel like oh i'm obsessed with us so Uh, i just i listen to them for this specific reason i want to apologize for how many times i say um when i'm telling a case and like i mean i say like a lot but i say um and so it's you know what don't even apologize this is who you are just it i'm just we're getting used to it i think that i want to i, I want to choose my words so carefully that i think about it longer so hard than, yeah. yeah so hard so i'm always like um this and and then um, it ends up making you sound it, like less smart less than prepared. what you're going for so you're yeah. just like well i'm gonna think about it so that i sound super smart but then i'm gonna sound like an idiot while i'm thinking about it that's what happens to me is i'll be like uh so and then i end up saying the stupid thing because i can't find <laughs> the words but in my head i'm like i got really smart words in there i swear to god <laughs> I but have, i have some smart words yeah. up there uh yeah <laughs> i just i just wanted to say if anybody else is listening to certain episodes when when i'm telling a case because i'm only talking about me right now um and and it sounds annoying at times i agree with you just i i, <laughs> I think it's just one of those things just we bear can, with us we're gonna get more used to this <laughs> we can all agree Haley's the worst she's super annoying sound l- i like honestly, an idiot when i listen to you telling your cases back i'm like oh my god that's my best friend she's so smart but then when i listen to me i'm like people fucking listen to this i sound like a moron i know i'm like i i think we're very hard on ourselves it's true we're more critical of ourselves and i think the exact same thing when i tell a case i'm like 
and listen to it back. I'm like, oh, no, God, no, you I, sound how, good. Don't worry. Couldn't don't I worry. have said that better? You, you said <laughs> you sound really good. And then me, I'm like, yeah, so and then he like killed the person or something like that. <laughs> and it's just like, it's not intelligent. Was I need an accent. Did but, I detect an accent? No, that's just like my voice. That's who I am. It's that's what I am now. All right. But yeah, this is me now. This is how this is us. Yeah. And it's Halloween. Yeah. yeah. My favorite time of the year. I still haven't, because this is this is only just a couple of days before Halloween. Or maybe you're listening to it on Halloween, which Ooh, that'd be that would be cool. great. That's a good way to spend your Halloween. Listen to us. Yeah, I would love it but if you guys did that. I, like, I don't know. We don't really have any plans of what we're doing. But I mean, I don't know what to go as for Halloween. I had that idea today of like me go as Negan and Drew go as Daryl. And we would just be like the power couple of the century. Yeah. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I just started watching The X-Files mm. and I'm obsessed with Gillian Anderson and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll, mm. I'll go as, I'll go as um, no, I, I haven't watched it either. I read all the books as a mm. kid, but I didn't even know there were books. I'm so sorry, guys. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you like looked so angry for a second. You're like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I just started watching it because I'm obsessed with her. And so I was like, ooh, maybe I'll force Luke and we can go with Scully and Malter from the X-Files. But they, it would literally just be like you're in regular like, outfits. suits. They're oh. both in suits. They're FBI agents. Luke can rock a suit. After yeah, the can. wedding, I was like, uh, that guy, he's he looking good in a suit. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. I can't disagree with you there. I'd hope you would. And that's your man. <laughs> I feel like, well, it's he one of those like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> Don't even want to look at him. No. Repulsive. <laughs> I think, um, I think there's something with a suit though on a dude that just, it looks nice. Yeah. You know, it's true. Really yeah. cleans him up. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe, okay, maybe let's stop like him. gushing over our boyfriends <laughs> for a second. <laughs> if I can convince him to put on a suit, maybe that, yeah, I'll think of something. I'm obsessed with Halloween, like I said. So I, know, I you go have hard. multiple costumes, mm. but pre-COVID. You do like outfit changes yeah. every night. <laughs> Pre-COVID, if you could do like this on a Thursday and then I'll go as this on a Friday and then I'll go as this on a Saturday. Like I would sometimes do like three costumes in yeah. a weekend because I love making costumes you're really good at i it. love making them like a diy costume yeah i'm i'm still really pissed i think the last time i actually dressed up for halloween was like probably about five years ago maybe you remember this but we we actually i think we went to the same party um i came dressed as boo from monsters inc i wore purple leggings and an oversized pink shirt mm-hmm. i cut my own bangs yep you heard that correctly <laughs> i cut my own bangs i was that dedicated i actually have if anyone's listening and they know about ugly dolls. You know about ugly dolls. I have an ugly doll. His name's Chukanuka. And he looks exactly like identical to the doll that Boo carries. So I brought my stuffed animal Chukanuka with me to the party. And only one person knew who I was. And I was fucking livid. That's terrible though. I, I cut like my bangs and nobody fucking knew who I, I like was. I'm st- such- I still have PTSD. I haven't gone out since. Uh, I feel like that's such an identifiable costume too. Right? Like that's such an easy one. I feel mm-hmm. like... I'm bitter. Maybe I wasn't there. I feel like I would have absolutely known who you were. No, only one person recognized me. I had to tell people. They're like, oh, ha, cute. And I was like, cute? I fucking cut my bangs for this. I think there's certain costumes that you pick knowing that people won't know who you are and you'll have to explain it. But Boo from Monsters, Inc. is not one of them. (laughs) And I wasn't going for the Mystique outfit where I was going to try and be like, you know, mysterious or anything. I thought like everyone's going to get this right away. I'm wearing purple leggings and a pink shirt. Everyone thought that I was um, Lynette from the Big Comfy Couch. False. I'd be wearing striped leggings. False. 
false and i'd have the little cap with my pigtails pulled through that's also another good costume though oh maybe i should do that this you year that i'm not cutting minus my bangs again. the bangs please that don't was cut bad. your bangs that was bad i don't know if you remember like i for a while had them like clipped up after that for obvious reasons i well i literally just went through that in what was it march when i when i got i, I didn't cut them myself i liked I got them bangs. though i like your bangs. i liked them too it's just my hair it does not cooperate with it me. has a mind of its own it was too much work for your me. hair's wild but not in like the bad way it's wild as in like no one can tame it <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you just gotta embrace it i guess yep yeah. yeah. it's good it's good oh well all right from Let's bangs get... to costumes all surrounding halloween our, my favorite time of the year my christmas halloween my merry christmas it's halloween <laughs> merry halloween to happy you all. easter it's christmas halloween <laughs> happy devil's day <laughs> go out there smash some freaking pumpkins eat some chocolate eat some sugar listen to some scary stuff like this episode mm -hmm. so i thought it would be an extra special spooky spookity idea to do one of my favorites i hope it's one of your favorites too it's a classic it's immediately my favorite do you know a lot about this I've only seen the movie years ago with my friend Alyssa, and I haven't seen it since. And that was when we were children. Oh, I'm so excited. We are doing the Amityville Horror. <laughs> I know everyone loves my spooky noises. I do it. <laughs> I, I love them. <laughs> so looking back, after I've listened to all of our episodes now, I do it in every single episode. Have you noticed? I'm always like, oh, at some point. Keep, keep doing it well yeah obviously i'm not gonna stop anytime soon it also saves drew time from, he doesn't have to do sound effects exactly should i go into like you know like being a sound voice person is that what they're called sound uh, voice people <laughs> yes that's the technical title yeah. uh voice actor that's it yeah you should i'm gonna do it i feel like i'd be really good at it or really really bad i think you would be very or like good at it. comically bad where it's like that's so bad i want to keep listening <laughs> That's okay. You just need to have like one good voice. Well, you can even just use your own voice. I mean, a lot of people do that too. Yeah. I got a good voice, don't I? See how sultry I went there? <laughs> I was like, wow, it changed Who a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt, is that you? <laughs> All right. All let's right. back to spooky Amityville. Let's freaking do this. Let's I'm ready do to do this. I'm so excited that, that you don't know a lot about this because this actually comes with like two cases. Oh, Anyone sure. who knows about the Amityville horror knows that on okay. let's go good segue yes. on november 13th I was like, knows that what that was such a cliffhanger already on november 13th 1974 okay 23 year old ronald defeo jr okay murdered his entire family while they were asleep Mother in their beds fucking piece of shit yeah um the bodies of both of his parents ronald defeo senior and Louise DeFeo, both 43 years old. Okay. His two sisters, Don, who was 18, and Allison, who, were, who was 13. Okay. And his two brothers, Mark, 12, and John Matthew, who was 9, were all found face down with gunshot wounds from a 35 Marlin rifle. Um, his parents were both shot twice, and his siblings all had single gunshot wounds. Um, hmm. And this all occurred around 3 in the morning. Okay. Again, on November 13th, 1974. Mm. So the, the spookiest of all days. The spookiest. Well, on the 13th. Oh, was it a Friday? I don't know, but it was the 13th. 
<laughs> you said 1974. I'm going to check if it was a Friday, but you keep talking. I am checking. <laughs> so the DeFeo family, um, they were a, an Italian Catholic family. They owned an auto dealership in the town of Amityville, which is on Long Island. It's a very small like village I, on Long Island. Okay. Because see, I wasn't expecting it to be in Long Island because yeah, on, sorry, my apologies. Yeah. I say in because I'm, you know, an ed- uneducated swine. <laughs> Okay, 1974. I'm going back. I'm going back. Okay. Yeah. Keep so going. keep going. Keep going. So it. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. That it's that's it's on Long Island, but it's a small village on Long Island called Amityville, um, and so that's where they lived. Being Italian, not a Friday. Oh, it wasn't a Friday. No, it was a Wednesday. <gasps> Darn. Come of, on, Ronnie. Right? Get it together. Get, get your fucking shit together. Plan your family murder on a better day. I know, right? <sighs> okay, go on. I'm so I'm so rude. I'm so interruptive today. <laughs> so um. This I this was like one in one of the articles I was reading, and they were like, "Well, being Italian, there were speculations about <laughs> connections to organized crime." And it's Always, like, of course. That's like literally exactly <laughs> what I said earlier about like, the Russian family. I was yeah. just like, "Oh yeah, Russian mob, Russian, obviously. Italian, Irish." You're like, "Oh, mob connections, yeah, right away." And it's like an innocent little family minding their own business. Yeah. All of my mom's family is Italian. So people are like, "Oh, do you know anyone in the mafia?" And it's like, "Well, I don't know. We don't have like." reunions and yeah, stuff like, like, yeah, we don't, don't have, have a like, mob party conventions all the mobs and their family you like, don't have that uh, well maybe they do I but I, totally, I don't think anyone in my family's connected to it i could totally it. see rose being like secretly the head of some serious organized crime yeah like just a like a matriarch <laughs> yeah. yeah figure of yeah. like a mob mob mom or something a mob mom <laughs> <laughs> something like that right I feel uh, like she's gonna listen to this and give herself like a really big like pat on the back and be like, "You got that right." Oh yeah, you don't even <laughs> know what I got going mom, on. That's my new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> so again, naturally, they people were just assuming it was maybe going to be you know, connected to organized crime or whatever. But when everyone in town found out that Ronald DeFeo Jr., the oldest son, was not killed in the murder, <gasps> they were all like, "Oh, Ronnie did it." Ah. Apparently, Ronald DeFeo Jr. was you know a troublemaker always you know up to no good always fighting with his dad Mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff going on in that family and so um there was someone i was watching there's a documentary that came out in 2005 um called which one is that one there's quite a few documentaries about this how have i never heard of any of these documentaries very um talked about case but yeah this one was called the real amityville horror it came out in 2005 so they were talking to um, people in town and stuff, and they were all like, oh, once we heard Ronald wasn't dead, we were like, oh, it was him that did it. There Obviously. was one guy who, I love this, that he phrased it this way, but he says, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't dealing with a full deck. Pardon? <laughs> Meaning like he he was off. Oh. Like he was kind of crazy. I'm going to start saying that. That's I know, my new and favorite. I, was like, I love that. That's yeah. hilarious. My favorite is like my go-to usually is lost their marbles. Yeah. Or like so sometimes Luke says like um oh, this is like good. when your cheese falls off your cracker or something. Have you heard that one? No. It's like, oh her cheese is like totally falling off her cracker. Okay. I'm like, Luke, what? you gotta stop making shit up because, <laughs> because that's not a real thing. Oh uh, well, you know what? It always makes me feel snacky. I, I can already you know <laughs> It always makes me feel snappy. I, you know what I can see with like Luke being all like well traveled. He's probably like, oh, it's it's from somewhere you just wouldn't know. 
Oh I'll ask God. him. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the It's same. from somewhere fancy. I'll make a correction next time. I'm going to be like, it wasn't that. It's no, he not made it up. He's lying. It's about Don't... a pepperette, not a cheese cracker. <laughs> he's he's lying to all of us. It's not a saying. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, basically, at first, Ronald DeFeo was taken into protective custody. Okay. But then he very quickly became prime suspect number one. That's what happens. And his grandfather showed up mm-hmm. um, and basically was like, cut the shit um this was like quoted from someone who i guess was in the room because they had brought him over to his neighbor's house so his neighbor was interviewed in the documentary and his grandfather basically said like cut the shit stop dragging the family name through the mud i don't want to hear anything more about your sister just admit to the murders and get it over with okay that's from old g-pa g-pappy yeah okay yeah so um apparently there were rumors that ronald and his uh, the the second oldest, um, who was his sister Dawn, had some sort of like very close relationship. Uh, okay. There was people in the documentary that speculated about incest, but Ugh. other people were just like, uh, they were just said to be very close. I don't know. Okay. So that kind of will maybe come up later. But um, yeah, basically a lot of Amityville locals were like, oh, it's, it's obviously Ronald. And uh, again, people were just saying all he did was drink and gamble and fight. And, and that was just kind of his character. So it wasn't super surprising, I guess, to everyone. Hmm. Um, but his con- he eventually he did confess. But his confession did not explain how... This is the weird thing about these murders is that they, they didn't live in seclusion. Like this was in a suburb. Yeah. Um, their neighbors were like few meters away like any other suburb yeah and he shot six family members with a rifle there was no evidence that there was a silencer or a sound suppressor people would have heard it nobody heard a thing the only thing that a neighbor heard was around 3 a.m they heard the defeo's dog barking (gasps) and his lawyer um his lawyer whose name is his last name is Weber. No, I can't find Perfect. his. <laughs> William Weber. There we go. His lawyer, William Weber, actually, they conducted an experiment where they went and they shot off the, sa- the same gun, to the same test rifle, out. to test it. And he said, you could hear the gunshots four or five blocks away. So Ronald Multiple DeFeo, neighbors should have heard it. Yeah. And they also don't know how, not only that the neighbors didn't hear it, but how none of the other family members woke up. They were all found face down on their beds. Hmm. So if you're, it's like he starts with the, the parents. Ghosts. How did none of the siblings wake up yeah. and, and come down? There was no evidence that the bodies had been moved. There was no evidence that he had drugged them. They did um, extensive toxicology testing okay. all the way down to like their organs and their blood and everything. There was nothing in their systems. Hmm. So that's why a lot of people speculate that he had an accomplice to this day a lot of people believe he had an accomplice okay interesting so a lot of theories formed around this whole idea of ronald having an accomplice because again it seems unlikely that you know after the first gunshot that nobody could like that nobody got up that nobody nobody would have heard it no neighbors would have been like i'm gonna call the police yeah and i think that there's even problems with the accomplice theory because even if there was two people in the house and they were like shooting at the same time there were still six victims yeah so i'm i'm still so confused about the theories that people have about 
who his accomplice was and everything. And I'm like, well, unless there was like literally six people shooting all at the same time, still, I don't understand how one of them didn't wake up and, and, or if and they were like, go and check. Literally like, ding, 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 like fired it out so fast that like, but even then still like. And again, these were all like a lot of the bedrooms were on separate floors because this is like a, this is like yeah. a long island home where i'm picturing like, like an old victorian home all yeah. spooky like yeah so it's not like you they were all next to each other you had to go up different floors to yeah. get to all of the different bedrooms take a slide and <laughs> a loop-de-loo around the corner like a, um firefighter's pole yeah. <laughs> all the way down just oh that's bang, what you bang, call bang, those bang. poles <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> i call them something else <laughs> we'll go g-rated for today yeah. um so no we won't no no we won't <laughs> What are we even saying? Who am I? Yeah. Go on, Ailey. Nothing's G-rated. No. Definitely not here. <laughs> well, not when we're talking about the Amityville Horror. Let's put it that way. Let's keep it family friendly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, family friendly about a family murder. There you go. Right? So, um, a lot of people speculated that his accomplice was his sister, Dawn. <gasps> but isn't she dead? Well, so okay. here's, here's the... Ronald DeFeo in prison did a lot of interviews, um, especially like even throughout the trial and everything. He changed his story a lot. He's definitely an iffy character. He's interviewed in the documentary okay. um, from prison and he's, he's, he's not dealing with a full deck. <laughs> okay. Oh, his, his cheese fell off of his <laughs> biscuit or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's not. The, the charcuterie board is ruined. It's just been flipped over. <laughs> um, he's definitely a character. So he... He claims that he had been on drugs that night and he was sitting on the couch in his home. And there's a couple of different stories, again, because it does change. One of them, he said he heard the voices of his family members plotting to kill him. Mm. And so he decided to kill them first. There is another story that he changed to that said um, because eventually he started trying to go down this path of like, I was possessed. So I was possessed to do it. So he then said that he heard voices telling him he had to kill his family. As one normally does. Right. So um, so anyways, whether it was – he heard voices, basically. And he says that, um, that a, a dark hooded figure, a female figure with black hands, walked up to him and handed him a rifle. Ah, uh and and so and then chaos ensued from there and then he went and killed everybody i guess so but that's still technically a confession <laughs> he did oh yeah again he did confess to yeah. all of these he he just went back and forth between like oh i was possessed to do it and then he as far as i know he never claimed that he had an accomplice though Th- these are just theories that people are talking about because it's hard for people to believe again that he could have just done this by right. himself without having you know moved like like shot them and then moved the yeah, bodies like another the logistics place or something just aren't just, there it's just very strange this case is very weird hmm. and so again with all these rumors about him and don being so close it's assumed that she was his accomplice and that she might have been this dark figure uh-huh. that handed him the gun um and so in the documentary there's a journalist named uh rick moran okay and he, i've heard of him before he's done something else has he yeah i can't remember now though i'll look it up and then remember far too late and then never update anybody okay perfect <laughs> update me i Just will let yeah. me know but i'll probably forget well that's okay that's okay that's okay <laughs> it's fine it's fine <laughs> so rick moran i'm hoping it'll trigger something for you rick Maybe. moran he said that um years later he was actually contacted by a drug enforcement agent who told him that 
they had the DeFeo home under observation at the time of the killings because okay. of, again, maybe there was rumors about drugs going on. Uh, I, there, Ronald was definitely involved with drugs, whether he was just doing them, but he, I think mm. he might've been dealing them as well. Well, if he's hallucinating figures coming up to him, handing him rifles, like gonna assume he's out to drugs. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely doing probably, something. Probably an assortment of drugs yeah. at that point. <laughs> A little friendly substances. So um, this agent said we had their home under observation. And this agent says, I saw Dawn DeFeo, the oldest sister, Mm -hmm. leave the house the night of the murders in a dark hooded jacket with a rifle (gasps) and get into her car (gasps) or her truck and drive out to um, the dock where later the gun was found. Oh. So again speculation that this dark hooded figure was Was dawn and that ronald was on so many drugs that he thought it was like a demon coming to him with the rifle but it was actually just dawn and makes sense again i feel like there's holes in this theory that because um uh, ronald defeo senior the father of the family was known to be violent and um abusive Mm -hmm. and just like a very angry person there were friends of ronald DeFeo Jr. who wouldn't come over to the house anymore because, because like him? Ronald Sr. would like would like beat Louise in front of them and stuff oh. and and would take a lot of his anger out on Ronald Sr. or Ronald Jr. and so there were a lot of Ronald's friends were yeah. like yeah he like we've witnessed him being like a terrible person and mm. just like awful to his kids and his wife so it's not unbelievable to me to think that Don and Ronald planned to kill their father yeah if they're in such a like dire situation with the family of him being so abusive and violent yeah but it's a stretch for me that they killed everybody else (laughs) yeah if they were like whoops we killed dad because he's a monster yeah sure don't kill people but again the theory is that that's a little rick moran's theory actually is that that don killed the parents (laughs) that don killed the parents um, and in the frenzy of it all, killed the siblings too. And then that's not Ronald okay. was so um, distraught by what she had done that he killed her. Don. Don, the sister. Um, see, the math isn't checking out for me. Again, I feel like there's holes in all of these theories. Yeah. People are just trying to figure out like how this happened again. That it's like, okay, well, maybe Don killed the parents and then she freaked out and then killed the siblings and then Ronald realizes what she had done and was like i'm gonna kill you i figured out why that name sounded familiar i'm so sorry why i looked up rick moran but it was rick moranis i was thinking of the dad from honey i shrunk the kids (laughs) not the same person what a weird thing to pull out of your brain it was like rick moran and i was like i know that name i know that who is that (laughs) okay i'm so sorry it's gone the distraction's gone i can focus now (laughs) My apologies, I'm everybody. You, I'm glad you figured that out for yourself. It's not the same person from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I swear. It's not like the <laughs> double-sided Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and honey, the Honey, I murdered the entire family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep. All right. Well, okay. no. my distraction's over. I can, yep. Perfect. We're back on it. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, again, the, the, these are the theories that went around. Ronald DeFeo Jr. never said that he had an accomplice yeah. um, or that Don did anything. But again, it is of note that um, she was murdered in like, like the most brutally, like they said that her 
head was basically like completely shot off. Mm. So again, they think that whether Ronald did all of it or he only killed Don, there was something about Don and him that was different, I think, yeah. that, that people are trying to make a connection through. Yeah. Or at least trying to like, I don't know, answer questions and it, figure out, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's really, there's a lot of theories again that kind of, you know, were swarming around. But again, Ronald admitted to all of it, but his lawyer, William Weber, um, wanted to have him plea insanity because again yeah might work for him cheese cracker yeah you know <laughs> not a board. full deck right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like lost his marbles <laughs> i'm sure we can get away with this yeah. um but the jury did find him of sound mind and mm. they um convicted him of all six murders and he was given six life sentences in february of 1975 okay so that that is that that's the murder of the defeo family that's what happened in this house at um at the time it was 112 ocean avenue in okay. the town of amityville on long island and it was obviously um like very publicized yeah and people well, knew about this it wasn't common yeah i don't think in this small town but um nonetheless 13 months later a couple by the name of george and kathy lutz okay. purchased this house at a reduced price I wonder why it was reduced. <laughs> it, they don't, and I don't, so they bought it for $80,000 again at the time in the seventies. Like, I don't know. That sounds reasonable yeah. to me. I don't know. They say it was a reduced price, obviously because it was a murder house. I don't know what houses mm. in the town of Amityville were going for at like this a time. Regular price. I don't know what the regular price would have been, but they got it at, at a reduced price and they did know they, the, the, um, realtor had to disclose like also yeah. what happened. And a lot of people knew what happened anyway. So they knew, um, but they were just like, sweet, we get this huge sort of like mansion and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like it's on the water. They, there's only like 80,000, only $8,000. <laughs> you get like, there's a, I can't remember what they called it, but like basically like a boathouse and like a dock for your, like a, Oh shit. One of those covered little houses you can pull your boat into, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? A boathouse, I think. Well, there was another, what they think that they called oh. the boathouse, but they called this other thing like something else i don't know the word anyways it was it, they were stoked they yeah. were like this is gonna be awesome so they again they purchased the house um in december of 1975 and you said it was only six months after it was 13 months oh after, my God. after okay, the murder sorry. so a little over a year um and they the family fled the house 28 days later um because of extreme paranormal disturbances <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. That's like my go-to sound. It's dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the way you do it is dun, dun, dun. It's a little less menacing than it could be as well. Because you got to make it kind of cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Creepy but cute. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is the famous Amityville Horror story. It started with a murder. Okay. Um, But really what the movies and everything are about is about George and Kathy Lutz and their family. Okay. So which movie did you see? The one with Kyle Gallner. Um, I can't remember who the mom was. It was someone relatively famous. So you too. didn't see like the Ryan Reynolds one, the 2000. There's a Ryan one. Reynolds one. Yeah. It came no. out in 2005. It's awesome. Is that the same one with Kyle Gallner? I don't know who Kyle Gallner is. I don't know. He's cute. That's the only reason why I like, was remember it old? His name. Was it like eighties? I don't think so. There's been, there's been a lot after the Ryan I, Reynolds one too. There's I'm going been a to lot. be false in saying this, but I feel like the mom is Kate Hudson. It's not, but it's someone who looks like Kate Hudson, like a little blonde lady. I don't know. Okay. 
I'm 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 pretty sure it. I'll look this up I'm too because sure now I'm going to be distracted in again. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds one. I want to say it's like Naomi Watts or something, and that's why I'm like, well, I wonder if you're thinking of something else. But there have been a lot. There have yeah. been a lot of Amityville horror movies. Um, they're the original ones that came out in the 70s and 80s, and then there was this 2005 one, and then there's been lots after as well, mm. just different takes on it. But um. Yeah, but these are all about Kathy and, and George Lutz. Okay. None of them are really about the DeFeo murders. That's just really the setting for this whole, you know. Story. Situation. <laughs> they Sit- moved into a murder house and they thought it was going to be dandy and it wasn't. Well, usually it's not, though. When you move into I mean, a murder house, it's you think usually so. not that dandy. So there is a long, long list of basically everything that the Lutzes claim happened during this 28 days because again they were there less than a month they fled fled, fled. not this just house. like packed their stuff and left no they, they left all of their belongings oof all of them you know shit's bad when yeah so within the first hour of getting to the house on moving day they claim that their dog tried to hang himself i think so, okay what the way they explained it is that the dog was on a chain um this was like a, a lab or like a black lab or something and so he was on a chain near the fence but it was long enough for him to run and and try and jump over the fence but it wasn't long enough for his legs to touch the ground on the other side so he was so um one of the sons i believe it was daniel lutz found the dog like he was like he picked him up and he was okay but he found the dog like literally hanging from the fence Uh, um and this was in the first hour of them getting there so again we're leaving i that's okay that's interesting because i don't know i i you know i don't have a dog i love dogs but like i don't know was this dog just excited and like it's a new place Mm. like he doesn't know the surroundings he tried to jump over the fence thinking he had enough chain i don't know i don't know the lutzes seem to be adamant that their dog tried to like commit suicide to Mm. get out of this house (laughs) see i kind of want to agree with that because i feel like if oscar's on his leash he knows how far he can go and when to stop pulling but i also do know some dogs that will keep pulling even though they're like on their last breath because they're pulling so hard yeah exactly so but that's that's good input because if that seems strange to you i i don't have any input on that but then again everyone does know their own dog and they again so they, they were, were if like, they were sure i'm gonna go with them because again if not... oscar started doing something like that i'd be like he knows something yeah you gotta leave <laughs> well apparently this dog knew something um That's sad <laughs> so yeah so he the dog was fine but that happened within the first hour of of them getting there um george's friend had strongly urged them to have the house blessed because of mm. what had happened before and we yeah. had talked about in, in a previous episode yeah. i think it was the annabelle one yeah that it actually was very common at the time i think people still even I th- do people that. still do it now yeah. but i think back then it was like even more common to just have you move yeah. into a new house you have a priest come and bless it if you have like a local parish or something your priest just will just come, come and bless, bless your it. house i'm gonna start blessing everything <laughs> start fresh you know get rid of any yeah. sort of bad energy or whatever so they yeah. People were saying, well, you should especially have your house blessed because yeah. like sage that six bitch people were right up there like a year ago. Yeah. You got to expel those demons right now. Yeah. So the priest came. Apparently, according to them, um, the priest was blessing the house and he went into a specific bedroom and he heard a voice scream at him to get out. Mm. Never good. 
Never good. And apparently he felt a slap right across his face. Mm, also not good. Also not good. <laughs> um, so apparently this priest was like blessing the house. And then all of a sudden he was like leaving. And they're like, oh, you're all done. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. And then. Yeah, yeah, I'm done here. <laughs> and you should be too. And he told them, do not sleep in that room. He's like that, whatever bedroom it was, that bedroom on the whatever second landing. Smells funky. Don't don't sleep in there the sewing room make that a bedroom and then you'll be fine like he he basically was like don't sleep in that room which is so bizarre to me but anyways (laughs) what are the bedrooms you're gonna use you can't just don't don't even look it in the eye (laughs) sleep in the basement um never do that that would be worse that's awful advice (laughs) um so uh george lutz said that he very soon after moving in started to wake up at 3 15 a.m every morning Okay. Which, again, was apparently around the time that yeah, Ronald DeFeo had shot his whole family. Um, so that he, again, was like, that never happened before. But now I'm waking up at 3.15 every morning, which is really creepy. And he would wake up and then he would hear noises and things like that. I mean, mm. it's an older house, so I don't know. We're just like but he said he would, and... he would wake up. He would feel very uneasy. He would hear things. I often wake up in the middle of the night feeling very uneasy and can't go back to sleep. <laughs> same, same. We just same. talked about this. Yeah. yeah. So it's because we're I get old. It. I get it. But I don't wake up at the same time every morning, though. I feel like that would freak me out. Uh, I don't know. I I disagree. If it was around 3 a.m., because I've watched a lot of horror movies, yeah. I know that is like the time of the devil. Yeah. That's <laughs> that is when the devil's that's out That's when play. all of the spirits are yeah. out to party. Like, I, well, I will say as someone who's has a diagnosis of insomnia, usually when you do wake up, it's around the same time all the time. And for me, it's between three and four. I don't think it's because the devil's out. I think it's just because my body's like, wake the fuck up I don't and know, do man. nothing for the next. Maybe I'm just possessed. <laughs> Maybe. That would be such a fun twist for the podcast. That would be. Yeah. That would be. Well, I mean, I'll tell you who might have been possessed. George Lutz might have been possessed. Mm. Because um, his wife said that he underwent, like, extreme personality changes while they were there. And again, I don't know how true this is because a lot of accounts say that George Lutz was um, not, like, the greatest person before they even moved in. Okay. So there's another Amityville documentary that I watched part of, which is a, a little bit of a newer one. It came out in 2013, and it's daniel lutz who is one of the sons okay. kathy lutz married george but she had three kids okay. so these were not george's kids he adopted them okay just to put that in perspective i'm gonna need like a family tree or something him and daniel did <laughs> not get along i don't know if he got along with any of the kids but daniel in this new like especially didn't get along okay. documentary he said him and george did not get along at okay. all and he said he basically felt like george was an asshole from the moment he met him so these extreme personality changes that were happening i don't know how true that was okay but he was apparently very quick tempered um he was he could never get warm he was cold all the time in the house i wish i had that problem Uh, same he was always outside chopping wood and building fires but is that like a personality trait or like i don't know but i do specifically remember this from the ryan reynolds movie where like he's outside with like his shirt off and he's like chopping wood oh ryan reynolds is outside chopping wood what's this documentary (laughs) called (laughs) no it's a movie it's called the amityville horror hell yeah i know what i'm watching tonight but i remember watching and being like why is he chopping wood so much why would you question ryan reynolds chopping wood outside with his shirt i don't know but i just felt like it was very like 
again they mm. and now i understand why they did that they were trying uh, to make him seem like suspicious different than he was before that he wasn't yeah. like a lumberjack before yeah and now, but now he he's all of a sudden <laughs> ripped and handsome <laughs> um so so yeah so that's one of the things that had happened apparently a lot of them felt different in the house quick tempered and angry and all that getting into fights and yeah. all that stuff so they usually all moving makes you that. cranky though pardon i said usually moving makes you cranky though well this is this is after they were moved in okay all right yeah okay. what this justification but okay, okay this okay. wasn't just moving day now the moving oh. day was the priest and the, and the dog hanging okay. himself okay um and also i guess what happened on moving day as well is that they um in two of the bedrooms there were swarms of like hundreds and hundreds of black flies ew and this is the middle of december in long island oh so so it'd be relative to like where we are almost yeah it's it's cold yeah um and in this documentary where daniel lutz one of the sons is the main focus he says that he went up and he was like trying to kill all these flies but there was too many but he killed like a bunch of them Mm. and went down to his mom was like i killed a bunch of the flies like all proud or whatever (laughs) she's like great because there's four million more and she went up and she was like where like where are the flies like where are the dead fly like he had killed yeah. a bunch and they were on the floor and then she went up and they were all gone <gasps> there was still flies they were flying around but all the ones he had killed were gone i guess that's what he claims that's spooky so um there were yeah so just in these two bedrooms and they were like that's strange it's middle of december no matter how many times we killed them there were more that came back couldn't they have just like opened the window and been like how'd you go if there's that many i actually not in december but when i moved into my house in the east end when my brother and i were living there this was in the summer but we had a black fly a black fly problem okay for about like two or three weeks where it was it wasn't hundreds but i would come home and there would be like probably 50 in the house all on the windows and stuff and we had to kill all of them like every time i came home i had to spend like half an hour killing all these flies and then they again they would just come back and and i would go out to work and i'd come home and there was more and i just kept killing them and then eventually maybe your house was haunted and and is still currently haunted well i thought maybe like an animal had died in the vents or something but you'd smell that uh, yeah but i never i never smelled anything and (laughs) then eventually like after i just kept killing them killing them they went away ghosts that's my answer for everything is they you have ghosts well in the documentary the answer that someone gave was that um a year before there were bodies in those rooms and that they were taken out relatively quickly and and then the house just sat empty for a really long time and then they sold it so a lot of people were like well there could have been some sort of remnants or some sort of, of something left behind mm. blood or something. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know like a lot about black flies, but mm-hmm. something that they could have been attracted to. And okay. then the Lutz has moved in and they're like, why are there all these black flies in these two bedrooms? Makes sense. Yeah. Cause they were the two bedrooms yeah. that, to, that people had been murdered in. So, okay. All right. Okay. That was kind of a, something to combat that okay. and and so there's a lot of people again th- i liked this 2005 documentary because it seemed relatively unbiased to me okay. there was people who spoke on both sides i'm gonna watch it george lutz is in it he's talking a lot about it lorraine warren is in it <laughs> Heck you know yeah. i love her oh yeah um and she's she's 
on the side of like again yeah. the believers and then there's a lot of reporters and journalists who who are giving some yeah. sort of like rational explanations to some of these things mm. that they're claiming so it's kind of those it, damn skeptics <laughs> well it's kind of nice because you can again documentarians you can never be 100 percent unbiased but it felt really balanced to me so um so yeah as we go through i'll, I'll jump in and just say if anyone is sort of like debunked some of these things but um yeah so there were heavy, heavy swarms of black flies middle of december that they felt they felt like that was weird their daughter missy um described an imaginary friend who was a pig with red eyes named jody nope don't want none of that that she would see outside of her window oh no 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 um they claimed there was always like strange odors coming and going Ew. they heard strange noises hearing screams and things like that move they, they would wake up to like dark spots on the carpet Ew. um the toilet turned black apparently someone All has their... digestive problems <laughs> <laughs> and i and george lutz said this in the documentary i'm like what in the toilet went black like the water went black or the entire toilet went black like i don't like know the ceramic just changed <laughs> it's just uh, someone just swapped it out <laughs> april fools Me playing a prank <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your toilet's black now ah. um and like apparently their china all turned black um and there was they saw at times green slime oozing out of the walls and the keyholes. Oh. Um, they experienced a lot of cold spots in the house. That's kind of mentioned before, but yeah, there was Bad always insulation. temperature changing. Yeah, I would say probably. <laughs> um, major temperature fluctuations. There was an instance where the garage door, they all observed it opening and closing, just opening and closing. Like George mm. would go and try and pull it down and lock it down and then it would open again and, and kept going up. <laughs> up and down um weird george said he he woke up to kathy levitating off of her bed see this is my thing with you <laughs> is this is now the second time that you've gone from something completely like normal where you're like oh yeah the garage door open and closed and then the next thing you super casually be like yeah and then you know kathy's just levitating <laughs> like you always throw in it's the always, levitating it's so casual it's always the levitating you make it too casual well you make it so okay casual. so like give me a heads george up wakes up yeah and kathy's levitating above <gasps> see that's what i was looking for thank uh, you yeah I know. Because last time you did that too, where you were like, yep. And then the statue, it just like literally flew up into the air and went <laughs> flying across. And I was like, whoa, we were just talking about like a doll two seconds ago. <laughs> well, y yeah, you're good at that. It's levitation good. is going to be mentioned a lot probably in some of my cases. <laughs> oh God. Uh, and, and Daniel and Christopher to the Kathy sons were also apparently um, levitated off of their beds or their beds like mm. physically levitated off of the floor. Crazy. Um, and Daniel did say that in his documentary that like he remembers his headboard be, like banging off of the ceiling because his bed was levitating with i was gonna make a it. dirty joke but i won't <laughs> becky i well, we said we were gonna keep this one family he was like, fun he was like 10, 10 at the time I know. I know i did the math and i was like i'm not gonna <laughs> um so basically again all this stuff happened in the span of 28 days and they were like that's it they fled they left yeah. all of their belongings they went to kathy's mother's house to stay there and george um you know he thought about getting the house investigated in in some capacity mm -hmm. so in this documentary he says that he um he called up a parapsychologist or someone i guess he thought was a parapsychologist named kaplan and he says and then i found out he was actually a vampireologist okay which he says 
Kaplan thought that that would um, make him more credible, but it didn't in my eyes. And I'm like, well, no shit. No, yeah, usually that makes someone just a little bit less credible in my eyes. I feel like parapsychologists, like, okay, that sounds pretty legit, but like, I'm a vampirologist. Nope. Don't want none of that. <laughs> like, what, what would you even study? What do you, well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he called up this guy he thought was a parapsychologist and he's like, oh, he's actually a vampireologist. <laughs> I think this guy Kaplan is maybe past or something because he wasn't interviewed in the documentary, but his wife Roxanne was. Mm. So she said that George had called him up, asked if he could come and look at the house or whatever. And, and Kaplan said yes, but he got a call three days later from George who was really upset because Kaplan... got ripped off by a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to get ripped off by anybody, it's probably going to be someone who studies something that doesn't exist. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe it does. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry kidding, if I'm I offended kidding. anybody. Everyone's offended right now. <laughs> um, so his wife said, we are like a public service. So anything that we do, like if the public needs to like know about it or asks about it or whatever, like we're very open. So George okay. called three days later. He's very upset that Kaplan had confirmed in the media that he was going to investigate the house. And George was like really upset that he made a statement about it. And he's like, we don't want any publicity and all yeah, this stuff, whatever. It doesn't need to be public announcement. But Kath, uh, not Kathy, sorry, uh, Roxanne, Kaplan's wife was saying, What's odd, though, is that the Lutzes had done a press conference that morning about the house. So okay. if they don't want publicity, she's like, why are they on TV doing a press conference? Yeah. So she was kind of weirded out by that. Um, but yeah, basically, he was just claiming that they didn't want any publicity. and He was very upset about that, whatever. So he wanted to postpone the investigation and, and he needed more time and everything. So the interesting thing is that this press conference was organized by William Weber, who okay. is Ronald DeFeo Jr.'s lawyer. Okay. Yes. We're coming full this circle. This gets interesting. Oh. Yeah. This is where it gets interesting. Not the levitating. No, no. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck the levitating. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> so people are sort of... So Roxanne even said in this documentary, why is William Weber, who who's still technically representing yeah. Ronald DeFeo, because they were going through appeals after his trial yeah. now he's representing the lutzes so suspicious william weber is in this documentary as well and he said that he was contacted by a reporter who said that the lutzes wanted to meet him uh, this was after they had left the house and he said yeah i wanted to meet them too because i had been given oral confirmation from someone that um we could receive a large advance on a book deal okay so I'm like, okay, so he, ha he hasn't even met them yet. Yeah, and he and had he's already, like, already talked like, let's write a book. To somebody about writing a book about it. Let's freaking do it. And I think, I think that he was thinking my client, who he had advised to plead insanity, and he, um, yeah, it, it didn't work. And Ronald DeFeo at certain points was claiming that he had been possessed that to kill his family. I wonder if William Weber was thinking, if I can get these guys on board and we can really publicize this, then maybe yeah. people will like buy into it. Jackpot, right? Right, and then it'll help his client in the in this at the same yeah. time, right? I, I I think this is this conflict is all, of interest. Yeah, it sounds it a lot sounds like. like a conflict of interest to me. <laughs> a too. slight one, <laughs> um, but a lot of people noticed that they were like, "Well, that's weird that he's representing both." That yeah. seems odd. That's very odd. So, um, yeah, so he, he met with the Lutzes 
And apparently he brought over, like, the case files from the DeFeo murders. He brought over, like, pictures of the crime scenes and stuff. And they talked a lot. He told them all these details about it and everything. Um, and, and again, they organized this press conference. Um, but basically after the press conference, they just, like, went into hiding. George says that apparently Weber had had called him and said, oh, yeah, we want to do a book deal and everything. But, like, Ronald DeFeo gets like like a percentage of it oh in the contract he had sent over a contract even bigger conflict of interest yeah and so george letts was like in the documentary he's saying i felt like it was like sketchy like this guy was just trying to make money and whatever so we just like ditched him and they sort of like went into hiding they didn't again they didn't actually really seek out any press at this point okay um a lot of people did note that. So there's an investigative journalist named Laura DiDio who's who's interviewed a lot in this documentary. And she's also um, part of making the 2013 one that I talked about that was with okay. Daniel Lutz. She's okay. in that one too. A lot of these people that are in the 2005 one came back and they're in this 2013 they're one. They're like, I'm going to say the same thing. And I watched them back to back and I was like, whoa, okay. That's, oh, that's, all these people are yeah. <laughs> come back. So she was um part of a local news channel and she was doing um i guess like she was doing research for something about like paranormal disturbances and stuff like that she had heard about this and so she wanted to get in contact with the lutzes and she said she took some tracking down because she, she couldn't find them and they had again fled um but she did eventually get a hold of them and she basically said like look i want to help you if i can mm-hmm. um I'm not trying to like get get a book deal or a movie deal or something i'm trying to take you for a ride Uh, yeah i i I believe you or i believe that something happened and i want to see if i can help you so laura knew ed and lorraine warren this is where they came in this is where it gets good (laughs) (laughs) these are where my favorite people come in (laughs) (laughs) um so she recommended that they meet ed and lorraine warren and that they let them investigate the house so what transpired is that um the local news channel that laura worked for put together a team and Ed and Lorraine Warren included, and some other parapsychologists as well. And on March 6, 1976, um, they all went into the house. Apparently, they met George outside, but he wouldn't step foot on the property, so he didn't <laughs> go inside. He was like, I'm never going in that house ever again. You guys <laughs> have fun. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot, again, a lot of these people weigh in. Yeah. Lorraine was interviewed in this documentary. She weighed in about going through. There was another psychic who um, that that was interviewed in the documentary that was there as well. She weighed in, Laura weighed in on everything that happened. Yeah. So one of the first things that happened was that the cameraman who um, he said after like he has no like heart conditions or anything like that, whatever. Yeah. He went up to the second story landing and he immediately had these like severe chest pains. Mm. Like he was like buckled over in pain and everyone was really worried about him. Um, and it's <laughs> unexplainable. Like he doesn't know why he went to the doctors after like everything was They're fine. Like, Man, you're fine. <laughs> he had no history of any sort of, again, heart palpitations mm. or anything like that. So they were sort of like strange. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the only things the news crew in that, realm that they were like that okay that's weird um lorraine basically said that she immediately felt that it was very obvious that this house was infested with inhuman spirits so i know we've talked about that yep she's the specialist she knows in the annabelle case that inhuman spirits would would be demons or like malevolent spirits not human spirits that so it wouldn't even be the family that was murdered then no she's saying beyond that there's something going on in this house. That is her personal opinion. Um, Laura says she remembers Lorraine basically saying that 
it um it felt like she felt an evil that felt like it was coming from the deepest bowels of the earth Ooh, and doesn't sound good no no that's not a light no that doesn't statement and one of the um producers also said that when they went into one of the bedrooms lorraine turned to him and said i hope this is as close to hell as i ever get oh like she she and again in this documentary which is which was made in 2005 so this is like 30 years later she still maintains she's like it felt like a like a like gateway hell. to hell basically um Oof. she was very overwhelmed by it well when she was in there the other psychic as well felt a lot of things but laura and the news team basically she was like i was there all night i didn't really feel anything i didn't really yeah. see anything personally that's what she was saying hmm. So again, you get a lot of people weighing in on this. They did do like a little seance as well. They have pictures from this. Um, and yeah. And again, Lorraine just said she felt, she felt a lot of what happened with the DeFeo murders, but beyond that, a lot, a lot more. Okay. Um, Ed, Ed was there too. And he said that uh, there was a point where he was going down into, into the basement with a cross, like holding it out in front of him. And he felt this sort of like rush of like pressure. Okay. Um, and like he s- described it as like he was f- being like physically taken aback by a legion of demons oh that's, that doesn't sound good either uh, no that's, that's apparently what it felt like i don't know if he's familiar with that feeling but i've never felt a legion of <laughs> a demons, legion of just demons. Take me. not just one but like a, a legion. whole legion yeah not even a swarm a <laughs> legion so so yeah laura did say that you know they were sitting there with her producers around 2 a.m and he's basically looking at her like we don't really have anything. Mm-hmm. I think they were hoping to go in like this was like, this was the 70s, right? Yeah. So this is sort of the beginnings of these like ghost hunting. Yeah. And again, with the videos, like Ed and Lorraine kind of started that where they're going the whole, in and like, trying to document thing. these, yeah. taking pictures, recording things. Well, you said 2 a.m. They got to wait until 3. I know. Right? I think they were there all night, but um, okay. I think they were hoping for something to, again, like they're a news channel like they yeah. want it to be entertaining they, they wanted want something to, be... to happen and they didn't have any yeah, sort they... of physical evidence that anything happened aside from ed and lorraine warren had a tripod set up um on the second story i believe and it's just a shot and i will show you this and i will post I this see. on the instagram because this is the only thing i think in this entire case that is truly unexplainable to me and it gets me every time i see it oh now i need to see it they had a tripod set up and it's looking at two doors to two different bedrooms and there's like a there's the staircase leading up to another story kind of like in the left side of the frame okay and they had it timed so it was taking pictures every like few minutes or like some kind of like a time lapse yeah Yeah. just to sort of just keep taking pictures they left it and they went and they were looking at other spots in the house so there's pictures tons and tons of pictures of this specific frame and there's one where there is legitimately a face of a little boy in no, the corner no. peeking out from the door I have of one to of see the it. bedrooms i have to see i'll it. show it to you it's okay messed up it's not even like a blur or anything it's like it's like it looks like a face you can see the glowing eyes like it's crazy i have to see it and they didn't even these these were like years later george lutz said he had his secretary at the time who was cataloging a lot of these photos um and she was i I guess pregnant at the time and every time she picked up a specific photo this specific photo she didn't realize yet um her baby like kicked really hard oh every time she picked up this photo oh that's weird yeah so he and then she looked at it and was like what the 
like, <laughs> what the fuck what's in there and he i guess called his daughter again this was years later he called his daughter missy and asked her about it and she was like oh yeah there was that that's the little boy i used to play with in no house. and george was like that was the first i had ever heard of that um that's so scary oh my yeah God. so again i'll post that because it's I, that, yeah it's we have like to. it's a very it's actually a very famous photo because it's one of the only i've not seen this like not one of the only but it is one of those photos that people over like the years, years are like this is evidence to... of something this yeah. is evidence of like we don't know what it's evidence paranormal of. <laughs> or whatever and no one's been yeah. able to explain this but photo. it's evidence of something i'm sure there are people that claim you know that it's like faked or whatever but yeah. it's like this was again 1976 yeah so photoshop didn't exist yet Ed and lorraine warren were too busy fighting off legions of demons legions. to learn how to use photoshop in the 70s <laughs> it's true it's so true. i i think it's real whether it could be explained by something else i don't know but laura did say that she was like very taken aback by this photo she's like there was no kids or yeah. animals or pets or anything in the Nothing. house when we were there not at all so she's like i don't know hmm. how to explain that photo um but yeah, so that's aside from that, the the news crew didn't really get anything else. But but Lorraine maintains to this day that she's like it's one of the most haunted places I've ever been in, and that's coming from Lorraine Warren. Lorraine Warren, yeah. So the Lutzes never returned to the house. Um, the bank reclaimed the property, and um, all their possessions were auctioned off. They legitimately like didn't even sell it; they just left. And then they they said that they ran into financial trouble and things like that. But I don't know how that translates to them not selling the house um why didn't they just sell it i don't know okay the bank just reclaimed it i guess they just couldn't pay for it anymore and then so so sell it but okay i don't know i don't know why they didn't sell it they moved to california to escape the publicity apparently but they oh yeah so go to california i know i'm like like, you moved to hollywood like (laughs) so you just moved to the red carpet i don't know exactly where in california they moved to but they moved to california and they did do like a lot of talk shows and stuff too so i don't know oh yeah you really got to escape that publicity (laughs) yeah there was a lot of conflicting laura didio did say that when she met them it did she was struck by um, the fact that they didn't want a lot of publicity through this. That's how, that was her interpretation. That was her impression yeah. of them, that they were very sincere about all of this stuff that they believed had happened. Whether okay. it happened or not, she feels like they truly believed it happened, yeah. right? So again, there's a lot of people that weigh on on this, but it doesn't appear to me that the Lutzes were afraid of the publicity considering everything that ha- happened after. Yeah. But who knows, right? So, um... In the documentary, they interview uh, Professor Dr. Hans Holzer. Oh, that's a, quite a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, who's apparently written a ton of books on parapsychology, like poltergeist. Apparently, there's one about like ghosts in the White House. I like it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to read please. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's a parapsychologist. And so on January 13th, 1977, Holzer, uh, William Weber, the lawyer and yep. Laura DiDio went back into the house with a medium named Ethel Johnson Myers. Apparently she was a very well-known medium at the mm. time. Um, and before even entering the house, Ethel, Ethel says, um, she gets out of the car and she says, there's an Indian around here. Oh, and I'm going to like that. These are her words. I mean, yeah. um, obviously we know like, like it's like a native american or indigenous or something but this is the 70s so she's calling them indians um and apparently laura says she witnessed ethel physically develop 
an Adam's apple, her voice dropped like two or three octaves. She started speaking in the voice of some sort of like Native American chief. Okay. And she claims that the... And this is like so interesting to me because I wonder if this is where this all started. That it was... That the house was built on like a Native burial ground. Okay. And that they were... That it wasn't the house that was haunted. Ethel believed it was like the land. And that the Natives wanted people out of there. Okay. And so that's... That again, that was the next sort of expedition into the into the house, into the surroundings and whatever. And that's that's what Ethel came up with. <laughs> so I feel like that's everyone's like first go to. It's like, yeah, well, it's like, oh, I, I need mean, a burial ground. Yeah. Can't explain it, but it's definitely on a burial ground. <laughs> yeah. So um the Lutzes did um enter into a like a deal with author Jay Anson to publish a book. Okay. Um and they claim that the book he wrote is unequivocally true and on all fronts that everything he wrote in that book happened to them. Um, okay. The book was published in 1977. It was an instant sensation, instant bestseller. I'm going to read it. People were obsessed with this. The <laughs> media, again, this is like the 70s where there's yeah. all this um, obsession with like the occult and It's really like sensationalized. And- yeah, again, yeah. like even like think about like the 60s and the manson murders with like satanic panic and like yeah. people were very fascinated by all of these things so when this book came out yeah. like they i think they printed i think they said twenty five thousand copies and like they all sold out in the first day like they had to print they yeah. just, they weren't prepared they had yeah. to print more and um it was breaking records and everything and again the exorcist book had come out in 1971 and the movie had come out in 1973 okay so and this is 1977. It's very, very close to all yeah, of these so things. It's like sparked this whole like yeah movement. Um, people from all over the world descended upon Long Island. People came from everywhere it's like to a tourist see attraction. Almost. This house. People would like the. There's a neighbor interviewed in the documentary, and he's like, there were always people like on my lawn and like parking oh, their cars well, like, like all guy. no all the neighbors houses and like like land was like destroyed because people would like park their cars there and trample everything oh. people were ripping up grass next to the house and trying to rip off like pieces of the house like paneling and stuff so they could take a piece of it with them people like, are fucking wild crazy savages crazy <laughs> like, and apparently this went on for a really long time apparently even it. now the people who like live there now claim that people come and stand outside their house Do you want to go and just stand there <laughs> I, I i've thought about it many times let's do it i google maps this house <laughs> and it's all blurred out just that house you can't see it oh, on google maps do you think it's ghosts or do you think it's on purpose no i think the owners are pissed off <laughs> oh okay i was like do you think it's ghosts? <laughs> the actually the address of the house um I believe it was the second people that owned it after the Lutzes Did or the people like that bought it. From, the quote unquote address? They changed the address. So it okay. was 112 Ocean Avenue. They changed it to 108 Ocean Avenue. Hmm. I don't I don't think it made a difference. Like, no, because know we still is. know the address and it's 108 Ocean Avenue. Get <laughs> yeah. going, guys. So Get I don't know if it worked or not, but probably not. Um, so the Lutzes' former lawyer, William Weber, 
apparently fell out with him over money issues. Mm -hmm. And he came out in 1979 and said that the three of them came up with this horror story over, quote unquote, many bottles of wine. Oh. So the first night that he met them and he brought over all the DeFeo files and everything, he claims that he told them details about the murder and then they took those and then turned it into like, oh, this, like the black flies and this and whatever and everything. And so he just claims that they completely made it all up. And I think whether they made it up or not, I think William Weber is pissed because he didn't get a cut of anything. Yeah, and he's just trying to make up for you know getting he, cut out of the deal. And he whether was trying it happened to make or not money. He was like, yeah. oh, before I even met them, I had a book deal, I had a movie deal, like everything. Yeah. Like this guy was like just out to make money. I think. Yeah, and it sounds like he just feels like he was like stripped of his rights, even though like fuck you, you yeah. Yeah, I think it could go either way. I think he could be pissed because he didn't get any money, and so he's making it up that they. Yeah. Oh, um, I meant like his rights to this, his money, like this he story. Thinks it's his. Yeah, or they did make it up and then he's spilling the beans because he didn't get any money. Like, I think it could go either way, whether you believe this happened or not. He was just pissed and he wanted to out them in some way or another. Um, Well, and so, yeah, so he came out in 1979 and claimed that. Again, this is like the book came out two years prior. Everyone already bought it. Like, the money was already made. Um, Probably already spent. And the movie deal was already going through. I actually don't know. I didn't write down when the movie came out, but I think it came out pretty soon after. I think it was like (laughs) 79, 80, 81, somewhere around there. Very close after. Very soon after. Um, And Jay Anson did come under fire for, for this book for taking a lot of literary license um with because a lot of people claim that originally when the lutzes came out with a story that there was a first story and it was like minor disturbances and then the next time it's gotten bigger and now it's big fish and now it's green slime oozing out of the walls and all this stuff right levitation (laughs) and so a lot of people read this book and they're like well this isn't the way the story started and but they're claiming that everything in this book is completely true yeah so yeah there's there's a lot of like a lot of people are like to jay anson you called this book a true story like it says on the cover this is the true story yeah but, but it's stretched but it seems like you just kind of made it, it up yeah. you know like you're a writer you're creative yeah like it it seems that way this is you why i haven't it. really read yeah. this book because i'm like i don't think i think it's I'll more a work it. of fiction and it might be entertaining as hell oh yeah as a fictional book yeah it just doesn't sound like a lot of these things actually happen. Okay. I'm going to um, read it and I'm going to be the judge. And and Lorraine Warren did actually say that she um, she feels like he took a lot of literary license. And she said, we are not in support of this aspect of the Amityville horror. So again, she, she's a full believer. She yeah. went in that house and she was basically scarred for life from it. But yeah. she's like, but I don't believe the book. I think he just took it and ran with it and made I a see. bunch of money. Okay. And there um so there are two people that are interviewed in, in the documentary, Peter Jordan, who's a parapsychologist, and Rick Moran, the guy I talked about earlier. Yeah. Honey I shrunk from the kids. Honey I shrunk the kids. From Honey I Murdered <laughs> yeah. <Hope's> Children. <laughs> honey I murdered my entire family. <laughs> um and so they were they got together and they started collecting evidence to basically disprove everything in this book. Okay. Um and they confronted Jay Anson about certain things. They talked about how they went into the house. This one really got me because there was a claim that uh, one of the windows slammed down right on Daniel Lutz's hand. Oh. And he was like bleeding and everything or whatever. It just slammed right down. Okay. And and it was like they didn't know how this happened or whatever. It hadn't happened before. They, they moved the window around later and yeah. like nothing was like broken about it. So when Peter Jordan and Rick Moran are in this house, he said that they walk into one of the bedrooms and... 
they stepped on a piece of the floorboard that like kind of like creaked and the window shot up. And Peter Jordan said he almost like shit himself at this point because he's <laughs> like, oh my myself. God, like this is real. But they literally stepped back and then the window went down and they were, and then they stepped on it and it went up again. And there was, there's some sort of weird thing with like the way the mechanism, was like, like it was rigged or something. Yeah. Not like rigged. It must be just because it's old or something. And, and I don't really know exactly how, but he's huh. like, there was, you step on a spot on this floor and the window shot up. He's like, it was terrifying at first, but then when you realize what it actually is, like there's a, actually a logical explanation yeah. for that particular incident okay that right makes sense. Yeah. and so a lot of these things they found a lot of these sort of things to sort like of an explanation not... and be like well this happened because of this yeah the, to yeah. sort of like to me when i hear things like that i'm like if i lived in that house and something and i just didn't realize i was stepping on a certain spot on the floor but the window keeps shooting up i'd probably think there was ghosts too yeah yeah and so this is kind of where i come to I feel like the Lutzes really believe what happened. Yeah. But I don't know if a lot of these things were actually the, like, demonic forces. Yeah. Right? Um, well, because these things did happen. They just had their explanations. Yeah. I, some of them. Some I don't know them. if there was like green slime oozing out of the walls. I was going to say, walls, what's the but, green slime? Like but, garbage sauce coming out? Like the, mold? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> asbestos? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so... Peter Jordan said that they collected all this evidence and they went to Jay Anson and Jay Anson said to them or to Peter Jordan, I guess specifically, he said, you are a skeptic who likes to write non ghost stories. I like to make money. Um, he told oh. Moran, I'm a writer. My only interest is to write a best-selling book so I can build a house in Majorca and never have to write again. So you're, <laughs> I feel like anyone who's actually like a true writer probably like had their blood boil when they heard that because like the goal isn't to never write again. Yeah. Like if you're that's like me working a job I hate being like, oh, my goal is to never work again. Like I just got to make enough money to never work again. No, people who love their work want to do it forever, whether they make money or not. Right. Yeah. And like, I mean, obviously he did end up making a lot of money off this book. But like if you're trying to make a lot of money so you can retire early, like writing is a really like <laughs> you can ask luke yeah like, my partner like it's a really difficult thing to to pursue and make money at if yeah. you like you could write a thousand books and never make a dollar yeah. so it's just interesting that he's like i'm a writer but i want to never write again but that's what i mean it's like <laughs> it's and like then you're so not a writer most you're people, just trying, I guess what to... trying to say is most people do it for the passion not for the exactly. money yeah and he was straight up like no i'm just doing this for the money yeah and it, it's like okay well interesting um because like we we know writers like for like take stephen king for example he's probably fucking sitting so pretty right now but he keeps writing he obviously loves because it because he clearly he pumps loves them writing. out like fucking 12 a year yeah. i don't even know how he's he just does it. shitting bucks out now like, he's not even on cocaine anymore yeah. and he's still <laughs> he's not even on cocaine <laughs> he's like there's interviews of him being like i don't even remember writing ha like half of the dark tower series <laughs> like, i don't even know what happened who but, wrote that <laughs> but he's still going a mile a yeah. minute so yeah. obviously he didn't need the drugs yeah exactly but um and there was there was <laughs> another quote by jay anson to them saying he said i think this was peter jordan again when he was saying that jay anson says and one day i predict that you are going to be sitting there broke writing your little non-ghost stories and i'm gonna be on an island somewhere maybe the bahamas with a truckload of cashmere sweaters um <laughs> um 
okay you know what i will give him that a truckload of cashmere sweaters like i know how much cashmere costs yes <laughs> but expensive would, you, would but, you need them if you're in the bahamas no 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 i honestly it was like 14 degrees yesterday i put my cashmere sweater on that i worked very hard on it cost me both my legs like literally <laughs> and i wore it outside and i was still hot and it was 14 degrees yeah. out it's very warm. It's very warm. It's so very insulating. So why would you insulating. need a truckload of them? Unless you're you moving to like Siberia. Yeah, even still, you probably only need <laughs> probably one really need good one. You just need one really, <laughs> really good, good one. one. And uh, so Peter so if anyone's looking to get cashmere sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone who can get them. Shameless plug. I know. Becky knits them. Our ads are just me like advertising for my own other business. <laughs> if Jay Anson was still alive, man, I'd hook you up with him. He's oh obviously my God, looking, if he's looking for, for a truckload. A truckload of cashmere sweaters. Damn. Where God. the hell is he when you and need him? And he had him? money. He could have paid you. Did he have money though? Well, he apparently made millions okay, from this book. Did and he die in the Bahamas with <laughs> his truckload of cashmere sweaters? And Peter Jordan says in this interview, because he was like, he told me this and I started laughing. And he's like, why are you laughing? <laughs> hey, why and he's are you like, laughing? that's the most ridiculous fantasy like millionaire fantasy yeah. i've ever heard in it's my life kind of boring it's like, just it doesn't sound like ridiculous. that good of it. yeah and um peter jordan says and then you know a few years later when i hear that on the radio that he died of a heart attack oh <laughs> literally in 1980 yeah the book came out in 77 so he only really got a couple of years <laughs> yeah and peter jordan was like actually dying he's like and then i already died and i was like oh my god that's so funny you never got to have the cashmere sweaters <laughs> so yeah so that was his relationship with anson that's hilarious he did he did apparently make millions off of the book the lutz's share was um said to have only been about two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is still a lot of money back then but like jay anson made millions Millions back then which would translate to gajillions now (laughs) as you can tell i'm really good at math (laughs) (laughs) gajillions gajillions um yeah and again george lutz says that anson managed a very accurate account of everything that happened actually apparently he george lutz was suing mgm in 2005 about the ryan reynolds version (gasps) because he said it was like hugely inaccurate he Uh, said that the 80s version was like a documentary compared to the 2005 now i'm gonna go and compare them i know i'm like we should do you know want to let's do i really want to rewatch the 2005 one because i liked it i gotta show you the one i watched i've seen now i'm wondering if it even happened or if i just imagined this movie because I, I can't find it anywhere i can't wait to watch the 80s ones with you because i've never seen they're it. hilarious they're basically like, anything from the 80s is hilarious well there is legit like green slime oozing from the walls and there's like I'm furniture so flying around the house and any like- okay <laughs> any movie where there's furniture flying around but like <laughs> comically where you can like see the strings i'm done oh yeah yo, oh I, yeah strings galore it's I'm amazing done. the second i watch any movie where you can see like a string where someone's floating in the air it's like i i can't watch it it's too good well i'm, That's I'm my so excited spot. you're gonna love to... this then and they yeah. made like a bunch of them i'm so pumped let's freaking do this apparently daniel lutz said that in his um town like where he moved to that people would always call him by different names they'd call him like billy or greg or danny because they kept changing his name in all the movies oh that's mean that's bullying I know. but also kind of hilarious were like they knew who he was like how he was associated to the amityville horror but they just didn't bother to look up his real name i guess well uh, i mean there was no internet at the time i don't know but mm. so they're like oh greg. so how did people really know things back then <laughs> they just didn't phone book (laughs) (laughs) just didn't know anything ever everyone's silly back then (laughs) 
so yeah, he was like, yeah, I was like just Greg or Danny or Billy or whatever because like they every movie they just like change the name because they're like ah oh, whatever minor character <laughs> whatever this guy is. <laughs> um, apparently, um, in the eighties, like Kathy and George Lutz, uh, underwent a polygraph test conducted by, um some of the top these two guys i guess who were like in the top five polygraph experts in america at the time Interesting. um okay. and the results indicated that they were not lying okay through the polygraph test well they wouldn't be because they do believe that and this, this is why i them. maintain i think they truly believe this happened daniel lutz in the 2013 documentary truly believes this stuff happened he claims he was yeah. possessed he claims he was projected all the way up the stairs and thrown against the wall like he has like trauma from yeah. this he, as i'm over here chuckling about him being projected all the way up oh, the stairs i'm sorry but but i because i'm picturing a string doing it that's why string, yeah <laughs> no no the, yeah there was no strings these demons okay. didn't use strings okay but we have talked before about memory and about yes. how fickle it is especially when you have other people telling your story over and over again and you can literally watch it happen especially, with actors you're going to replace your memory especially when you're a child yes. it happened when you were a child mm -hmm. and your parents unequivocally believe this stuff happened they talk about this stuff all the yeah. time they're doing interviews about it they're telling he says george lutz would introduce himself as the ambival horror guy like i'm the guy yeah. that like in the house you know like yeah. he played it up so yeah. there's constantly people talking about these things is it possible that you could manifest these memories in your brain if it yes. didn't actually happen that way? Absolutely. One million gajillion percent. Um, and can you then experience lifelong stress and trauma over it? Yes, you can. Yes. If you believe that that happened to yeah. you. Um, and the trauma will keep like manifesting in different ways as your memory grows and like devolves even more. And uh, yeah. Well, then it's a memory of a memory. You, and, and then, then when you add even, in aging too like yeah. even just simply aging into like your 30s you're gonna start remembering things very differently like yeah i, I will do a memory episode one day i, I know actually, i I've, can't wait i've got notes going for it i hope people like that because like i hope so let us know guys tell us yeah. the fuck right off if you yeah, don't like, like it, oh my god here she goes teaching oh us god, again. about the memory and the sensory there she goes again <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so again they they took this polygraph and apparently they they weren't lying so again they believe this really happened to them um yeah. uh so yeah so basically again this is this is one of the most famous sort of like haunted house stories of all yeah. time and there is a major divide in you know people saying this was a yeah. hoax devised to make money to get book deals and movie <sighs> deals originally maybe pitched from ronald defeo's lawyer to help yeah. his client and then yeah. people ran with it and he didn't get a cut of any of the money. No. He's like, this was my idea. Imagine, <laughs> honestly, like imagine though being him and like, let's say his story's true. Yeah, I'd be fucking furious if like somebody took my story that I created and they were just like gajillionaires after. And I was like, well, what the fuck? I gave you the yeah, He's like, idea. I came up with this plan, guys. Yeah. Um, what the hell? <laughs> and needless to say, Ronald DeFeo did not get out of, like he died in prison. Like he, yeah. no one believed that he was possessed by the devil and that's no. why he killed his whole family. I think yeah. he was just a delinquent on drugs and he had a really bad relationship yeah. with his dad. He just murdered a bunch um, of people. And so I was very curious about like what happened after this, like what happened after the, the bank took the house and like this is in the 70s and 
like did anyone else live there yeah. what, whatever so i looked into this so um <laughs> i thought you were gonna just like end it there <laughs> we don't know <laughs> it will never freaking know. i got tired and went to sleep <laughs> i took a nap instead <laughs> um the, so the lutzes bought the home in 1975 for eighty thousand dollars, right plus four hundred dollars for all of the defeo's furniture well, okay why would you want furniture? I know. I <laughs> know. Fine. It's, it's a question brought up many times in yeah. a lot of these documentaries. A lot of people do feel like there was there was a sense of you're moving into a house where all these people were murdered and you're like legitimately sleep like sitting on their couches and like uh, yeah. I don't know if they were sleeping in the same beds like I'm sure the mattresses Ew. were probably new. Oh my god, but, like, I really really hope even so. Even the bed frames or anything like that if any of that stuff was left oh, like Oh, I like got the heebity yeah exactly just shivered because (laughs) yeah so a lot of people feel like and there were actually rumors of um george lutz dabbling in the occult like i guess he had books and stuff on it and things like that so a lot of people are like maybe they again they kind of like made this all up in their mind because they were freaked out because they moved into a house that was creepy to begin with and yeah. George Letts maybe... And sometimes you see what you want to see, whether you realize it or not. Like, I don't know. It's like the whole thing of like, I don't know, when you go into something that isn't technically scary, but we were talking about this, about like having to sleep alone. Like, you know nothing's happening, but because you know that you're alone, you're like, oh, I'm scared and something scary is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's just like your brain tricks you into like Hearing seeing me. what you your brain wants you yeah. to think it's just and it could like, just start small like we yeah, said you're like, it's like manifesting something sometimes you're happen. like hearing footsteps or something and you're like oh my yeah. god like there's someone really walking in my- no of course no. not it's just your mind is playing yeah. tricks on you and, and you're running with it like yeah and, and your imagination just goes wild especially when you absolutely. like go into a situation like going into a haunted house with your friends like you might go into it thinking like oh we're gonna go it's probably not even haunted but like you want it to be haunted yeah so Based I, on that sheer fact alone of you wanting it to be haunted, you go in there and you're like, it's not haunted. But you, I want the Amityville Horror House to be haunted as fuck. I yeah. want all of this to have happened. Exactly. Not that I want these people to have had to ex- experience this, but like, but, I want to believe them. I do. Yeah. I, I, I want to believe in yeah. the paranormal and everything. And I want, exactly. I want there to be hard evidence of it. Like yeah. I said, there isn't unfortunately very much evidence to support their story. Um, but, and again, that's why I was so mm-hmm. interested in like, did anyone who moved into this house after experience anything? Are you going to tell me? Uh, <laughs> so uh, no, <laughs> no, nobody else, <laughs> nobody else did, unfortunately, or fortunately for them, unfortunately for me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, and I guess, unfortunately for the Lutzes as well, because a yeah. lot of people did actually live in this house after, and they were like, we didn't experience anything. Mm-hmm. Now, Lorraine Warren would claim that um, it was not a hoax. She said that home has been exercised. That was part of what they were there to do. Yeah. Um, so and, that's and why they wouldn't. Again, okay. with the Annabelle case, they yeah. bring in a priest and they exercise the space and everything. And they, they, Lorraine being a clairvoyant, claiming that yeah. she can feel when it has worked or it hasn't worked. Yeah. She claims that they exercised this home so that anyone living in it after wouldn't be experiencing these things. And right. that the fact that no one experienced anything meant that it worked. So again, there's a, there's a lot of sides to this. Yeah. Um, and it's just what you believe is what you believe, yeah. I guess. But I really being interested in the real estate side of things, <laughs> I was like, I really want to know again, like yeah. who lived in this house and, and in searching this, there's a lot you can, you can see just like how much people bought this house for is so fascinating to me. So the Lutz <laughs> bought it for $80,000 okay. in 1975. 
1977, James and Barbara Cromarty, I think is okay. that how you say it? Cromarty? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, they <laughs> bought the house in 1977 for $55,000. So remember when I said the Lutzes got a discount? These guys got the Imagine real Imagine being the Lutzes. I'd be like, God damn it. <laughs> $55,000. That's like free. <laughs> And this is like two years after the Lutzes bought it. So you would think it would have gone up, but not after everything no. that happened there. Um, they were asked when they moved in if they had had to do any major repairs. Because, again, Jay Anson's book made it sound like this house was destroyed. Yeah, like a rickety piece like of shit. furniture <laughs> flinging everywhere, yeah. like door frames flying, flying off, like everything, right? The and they were like... paper just peeling itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the slime. Yeah. Just, and yes. these guys were like, no, the house was in perfect condition when we walked through it. Again, I think believers would probably say like, oh, well like paranormal thing like yeah. with something like the the claw marks on yeah, that oh, guy the, in the it heals itself it heals itself i yeah. don't know right like there's i'm sure houses people that, do rebuild themselves so <laughs> an explanation for that but these guys were like nothing was was wrong with it and they didn't experience anything they lived there for uh 10 years okay and they said nothing ever nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by <laughs> because of the book in the movie and like standing outside of our house so they were the ones that changed it from 112 ocean avenue to, to 108, 108 okay because they were just getting all these crazy people standing outside of their house um, <laughs> you and me just like hey let us in <laughs> um they sold it in 1987 to peter and jean o'neill they bought the house for three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. so the cromer the cromerties made a lot of money yeah um which is great that's like quite the jump from yeah 55, and again 000. i mean this is obviously just probably like it's 10 years on and it appreciated it but it, but it's it appreciated a lot which is great um <laughs> <laughs> from a real estate yeah. standpoint <laughs> um the o'neills also lived in it for 10 years so they put it on the market in 1997 okay and it was bought by brian wilson uh for three hundred and ten thousand dollars. so that's what's so weird to me is isn't like brian wilson the guy from the beach boys I'm sure it was a different Brian Wilson. Damn it. He... <laughs> you know what he was in, though? What? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Brian, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Did you see how instantly I believed you? <laughs> I did. I did. It's He's not in it. Okay. I, like, still kind of believed you because you haven't said you're kidding yet. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> So, so the O'Neills bought it in 1987 for three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and Brian Wilson bought it ten years later for three hundred and ten thousand dollars. Okay. So over the ten years, it like actually depreciated, which a lot of people, realtors and stuff, say like, no, we have no problem selling this home and blah blah all this stuff. But like, I I don't know. Like, it just seems to me like maybe they did. Maybe <laughs> there were some issues um selling it or getting at least like asking price yeah. for it brian wilson i guess did some extensive renovations and i couldn't find out who exactly did it, did this but because it says he did renovations i think he is the one who um the two windows do you know have you seen pictures of the Unitville horror house not in a while no there's i'll show you after okay. but if anyone's familiar with it you'll know what i'm talking about there's these two like little windows on the side of the house that look like eyes like people always called it the eyes of the house uh. that's why it looked so creepy mm. he um those windows 
windows are not there anymore. It's they're they were taken out and there's just like a square window put in. Okay. In in between where these two windows were, so it just looks like normal. Because now it did Cyclops, look not two eyes. Really creepy before. <laughs> like it's just like it was just like a really strange like architectural choice. I'm gonna look. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I want to say he's the one that did that. So even if you look at pictures of it now, modern day, like it doesn't look like it did in the 70s. Right. Um. And then Brian Wilson sold the house in 2010 so i guess he had it for 13 years for nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. okay not it, bad brian yeah not bad it was listed for 1.15 mil oh but it only sold for 950 so this is why i'm saying like a lot of people didn't actually get asking price for this yeah. they got way below and that's why i feel like when realtors are like there's no problem selling it it's like you're kind of lying but i don't know what the market's like in long island maybe that's normal no idea yeah but um the latest people to have bought it were Caroline D'Antonio and her husband, David. So they bought it from Brian Wilson for $950,000. Okay. And then there was an article um, from June 2016 that Caroline had put it on the market after her husband had passed away. And she put it on the market for $850,000. So again, they Even, bought it for nine yeah. fifty. And they put it on for eight fifty, and it sold in November twenty sixteen for six hundred and five. Oh! Despite other homes in the area having sold in the nine hundred thousand range. Okay, so yes, they are having a hard time selling. So it. I do not believe that this house is easy to sell. <laughs> no. Well, I don't think it would be. I didn't think it would be, but again, all these realtors in the in the articles are like, no, 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 we don't, we actually don't have a problem because nobody believes it. Nobody believes that this house, like, actually that that happened like and everything the, and whatever. Yeah, they're gonna we, say we that. all know it's a hoax, and it's like, okay, well, you got what three hundred thousand under asking for. Yeah, that's not that good. <laughs> or guys. like <laughs> under the the you know comparable range of all these other houses in the yeah. area. So I don't know. But um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's the hottest ticket no. on the market. You you love punching the H's. You did that in the last. <sighs> you always have like one word where you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's only because I listened to the episode today, like the Goodmunder and Garfner one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I caught up. And, and I'm punching the H's. Yeah, I can't it remember. It is the first letter in my name. Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> I'm going to start saying your name only like that. So um, yeah. anyways, I guess what I'm leading to is that should we buy it? Do you it want keeps to? going down in price. I feel like we wait another 10 years. It's going to be like $5. It's gonna be, they're just going to give it to us. <laughs> they're going like to be giving like, it away. Heard you guys wanted this house. <laughs> just take it. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. We did say that we wanted to buy a haunted house in Airbnb. In Airbnb. I think it would be a perfect I'm one. I'm pretty sure I have like verbal proof that you said you'd just cover all the costs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You did say that. I did say that. Yeah. Especially if this we all heard thing you. keeps going down in price. Yeah. I don't know how someone hasn't done that. People have just bought it to mm -hmm. move in and live in it, which is mm -hmm. like, great. I guess, like, obviously, they yeah. don't believe anything happened, but like, and I don't even know if I believe anything happened in it, but I don't know if I'm about to move my whole freaking family into no, that house. No, so here's the plan. We buy it. We Airbnb it out as like an attraction. Of course. No, that's nobody's what I'm saying. Done that I yet. don't know how TM. someone hasn't done that. TM, TM. I'm claiming it. <laughs> tm i don't know how Copyright. someone hasn't done it yet they're just like no oh, no it's gonna be like a nice little like family home it's like no clearly make so much money off clearly of it's not working and all also, those people that were ripping grass up and trying yeah. to get the side of the paneling yeah. from the house they would, would just go in there probably like hundreds of dollars a night to stay there uh, we'll rig up some speakers i'll do my spooky ghost noise that everybody loves so much my Ooh, i'll do that <laughs> it's gonna be good we're gonna make gajillions <laughs> stoked we're doing it
Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that's so someone like actually still owns that house today, and and it's well, sell it to us for five dollars. And, and I hope they're Whoever happy you are. and everything. I hope There's, they're happy. I hope they move out soon. We're gonna buy it. <laughs> there was um a note I wanted to end on, so I okay. found this in one of the articles that I was reading, and it's a quote from the um a very well known movie critic Roger Ebert. Do you know who that is? No. He passed away a few years ago, but for like decades he was like known as like the number one like movie critic ever like he had a he had a website and everything he wasn't like it's just yeah he everyone knew him as like a very famous movie critic i don't okay. even really know that much about him or how he made his name it sounds but, like you know a lot about but him. he just everyone <laughs> read his reviews and whatever um so he said that he actually met george lutz at the airport in los angeles and he he talked to him and he said yeah i've met george lutz i had a couple of beers with him in los angeles at the airport um and he seemed to be a likable and totally believable person he told me soberly and earnestly of the terrible things that happened to him and his family in that haunted house on ocean boulevard in long island was he telling the truth did green slime really squirt from the keyholes did a red-eyed pig really glare through the windows did a ghostly marching band really parade through the living room maybe so um, we've all made bad real estate investments, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, but the question isn't so much whether those terrible things really happened as whether they've been made into an entertaining movie. And Ebert's conclusion was they have not. As a movie critic, he's got to bring it all back uh, around okay. to the movie. And so he's basically just saying, I met George Lutz. He seemed to really believe what happened. Yeah. Did the it happen? Suck. I'll never know. But the movie was shit. That's basically <laughs> what he said. The movie was shit. Mic drop. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's hilarious. That's actually really funny. Yeah. I like him. So that was his opinion. Um, and again, a lot of people are divided and and i don't even yeah. really know how i feel i i do think it was a perfect storm of yeah crime scene greedy lawyer greedy writers yeah a family kind of believing something terrible happened yeah. but then getting into a situation where they're like i guess we can make some money from it might as well yeah we're scarred for life now so we might, might as, well as well at least live the some, high life yeah um and and i and yeah i just think it was yeah. a perfect storm of all this all and the media things. attention and everything and it's just true it really just blew spirals up spirals out of control but yeah like i said i mean i want to believe that it's haunted as hell i do i want to believe that as well i mean for our sake for when we start airbnb it out it's haunted it is haunted we're stamping it here you heard it here <laughs> first this is facts yeah all right happy halloween happy freaking halloween <laughs> i like halloween this, I, I, I do too yeah let's go find a real haunted house do you want to do a haunted house let's freaking do it i'm scared i'm already scared should we like videotape ourselves going through a haunted house yes yeah if you guys we let gotta, us know if you guys would want to see that well we <laughs> we still have i still stand by it i want to send jade through because she's the fucking worst yeah. in haunted houses oh she's a nightmare we should send she's her through alone and then me and you can go through together yeah if you hear that loud rumbly i'm so sorry it's my stomach no, it's a train. I it was like a train. <laughs> I get that way when I'm hungry too. Just like <laughs> the entire apartment shakes. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna send her in alone, make fun of her, but then also go in and poop our pants. Perfect. Yeah, great. I think that makes sense. I think it's a smart, a smart move for us. Yeah. 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 Okay. Perfect. Right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure everybody did because I like that. You know, everyone's okay. favorite. Uh, you know family homicide slash 
ghosts, green slime oozing, pig faces and creepy levitating stuff. bed house furniture flying around. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. We're going to go watch the movie now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> so, yeah, if you um, want to join our cult of really cool people, go to patreon.com slash how to not get killed. Um, also realize we haven't been telling you guys to like like subscribe and review or whatever you do on well i have oh you have yeah. oh my god where have i been and i say that at the end of every sp- spiel i'm so sorry yeah like subscribe and leave us a review on yeah. apple Podcasts. leave a nice or... review don't leave a bad one i'll delete those i'm just kidding yeah if you don't have anything nice to say they just don't say anything yeah. at all please. did your mom not teach you manners <laughs> <laughs> um, only five star reviews yeah only anything only. less than that we're gonna be pretty angry yeah so yeah join our patreon be cool be be cool with us we like mm-hmm. that Message us on Instagram at how to not get killed. Send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com. Is that it? I think so. I think that's it. Have a have a great have a end of your October spooky great, season. Great Halloween. Halloween. Let's keep Eat lots the of Hall- candy. Yeah, keep the Dress Halloween up. vibes going all year. It's Halloween all year. Yeah. It's not over. We've officially decided. It's only just begun. <laughs> <laughs> You can you you have to say that sentence with an angry voice. You can never say it's only just begun in like a friendly tone. It's like no, it's only just begun. You're very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I need to be a voice actor. Yeah, well, yeah. Everyone stand by for Becky's voice for acting my career. my 17th career. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, on that note, keep it sleazy. All right. All right. Pe- Bye. Peace out.